0: Now, we have been going over Genesis and giving a broad brush to it, and I just want to somewhat rehash a little bit of it. So you go before the beginning of time, and God looked and he said, you know, we're going to do this in the community of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're going to create this world. And so he created the heavens and the earth, and God said that it was good, And it was good. And then uh, Adam was alone. And before the fall, God said that that is not good. It is not good for man to be alone. And so uh, then it goes on that they gave him Eve out of his side. And and God just uh, blessed them. They had uh, two kids at the time, Cain and Abel. And so if you remember uh, before the kids, actually, that there was the the forbidden tree in the center of the garden right you can have everything but you can't have that and so adam and eve both took of that and they they wanted to in a sense be god to say what right and wrong was to to develop their own truth and we live in a pluralistic society that says that i want to say what truth is and so it's it's like now, nowadays in my opinion finding truth for a lot of people, is like nailing jello to the wall. It's like, well, that's not how I think it is, and that's not how I feel. And that's no different than Adam and Eve, and we all came from that. And so they took of the fruit, and then God uh, laid it down, and he said, you know, there shall be enmity between thee and the woman, and her seed and your seed. And and all these things happened, and then the fall began. So then you get into the betrayal part, you know, bless beginnings and betrayal. And the, the fall happened, and they, they had children, and the two boys grew up, Cain and Abel. And Cain gave an offering that he said God would be pleased with, not what God said would be pleased in. And Abel gave of the offering that God said he would be pleased in. And so ultimately, Cain killed Abel. And what you got to see is that Satan is at work in all this. You can't miss the key player because he knew that the seed was going to be important. So, if you think about the seed, Cain and Abel, right? So, he knew something was going to happen there. So, he got into Cain's head and Cain got jealous. And we all know what that's like, right? And he got into a rage. And he ended up killing his brother. And then he sort of played plausible deniability. Am I my brother's keeper? He thought he could hide from God. And so that didn't work for him. And so then he was sent off, and, and he went out. And, and that whole part of the family, that, that group went out, and they followed after their own way. They did what was right in their own eyes. They did what they thought was good for them. And so they did that. And then you've got um, Abel's family. They grew. And then the funny thing is, and it's not funny, is what we're going to get to, the same thing developed. You get to the point where everyone, so just because you were from the lineage of Abel or Cain, people still did what was right in their own eyes, and and what ended up happening is you hear the story we talked about last week in Genesis 6, you have this mysterious Nephilim being mentioned, and and I sort of tip my hat that I believe contextually that they were angels in heaven who came down and had relationships with the sons of, of man, and so you had these women that the angels had relationship with, and God said that that wasn't good. And it was another thing that wasn't right, and it happened. But still, to- towards the end of Genesis 6, it talks about it and it brings up the character of Noah. And Noah comes on the scene, and we're going to read a little bit about him this morning. So go ahead and turn to Genesis 7. We have a lot to go over, and uh, just read along with me. Genesis 7, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and, and, her, and seven pairs of birds of the heavens also, male and female, to keep their offsprings alive on the face of the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. It's hard words, hard words. Verse 5, and Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. So picture this, and I know you've, many of you've heard this before. Picture living in the part of the desert where it hasn't rained ever. And God says, build a boat. And you don't even really know what a boat is, I don't think. And he tells you, and it's, it's something on the, on the level of the Titanic, size-wise. Man built the Titanic. God had a plan for the ark. But he built this. And imagine at the same time, he's a preacher. So imagine if I were this guy in, uh, in Eastern Maryland, where it's never rained, and I'm telling you that I'm building this massive boat and that God's going to come and the way you're living is wrong and that there's going to be a price to be paid. And it said that pretty much no one really listened to him. Imagine the loneliness there. Just, just take that for a second. And I think some of you know what loneliness is, feels like, but it's a great amount of loneliness. And so, but however, Noah did all that the Lord had commanded. I want to I I bring a context to you. I, I, I grabbed some facts from a website called USA Facts. It's a non-partisan uh, group, if there is such a thing. Uh, talks about the state of marriage in America. I'm just going to read a few facts. In 1949, 78.8% of all households contained married couples. 70 years later, 48% household now have married couples. So from 78 to 48, just facts. In that all of the percentages for every ethnic group when it comes to marriage have a downward curve except for the Asian population in America. So every other ethnic group that's recorded except for the Asian population had a downward slide. The Asian population had a slight consistent side to it. rates of divorce has increased significantly and some in more populations than than the other and I'm not going to go into that because it would take too long at the same time a growing amount of people are living alone single person households increased fivefold since 1960 from 7 million to 36 million. The share of people living alone has increased. There were 30, 3.8% of the population in 1960, and now it's as high as 11.1%. Folks, we live in a time that has devalued God's best plan for us. Now, let me put a caveat in there. Many of us, and I say us because I've been impacted, and I know many of you have been impacted by the brokenness in the home that you grew up in. And maybe the impact of, and sometimes, sort of like in a relationship with my wife, my home was broken, but her home was broken yet together. So it was somewhat dysfunctionally broken, but together. So we live in a society now that the devaluation of, the evaluation of marriage has gone down and the loneliness has increased. So you get to this point where God told Noah, God narrowed it down to one family. And and all I can say is that God has a special plan for the family unit. And I can also say that if you're here and you, you have a broken home, you maybe you and your spouse are, 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 were, were divorced, there is hope and there is grace to be found to you. My father did a wonderful job as a parent, as a divorced parent, loving me and showing me who God was. It's not impossible to do, but God's best— is for us to be together for marriages to mean something to have value. Is that, is that reasonable to say? So we're a church that knows that there's brokenness, and we don't devalue you. If you come from a divorce, if you've been divorced, that is not a, a scarlet D on your, your shirt. It is not that. But we want to press you into God's best and saying that, you know, and that God can take that brokenness, as Pam so eloquently said up here earlier, can take all that brokenness and turn it into something good. That's our goal here, and that's one of the reasons why we're doing this emotional, healthy spirituality, because we know that the past has broken many of us, and I stand up here as case study number one, and I'm not going to get into me today. But I, I am right with you on that. So let's go ahead back to cha, uh, verse six of chapter seven. So Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came upon the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Of clean animals and of animals that are not clean, and of birds and of everything that creeps on the ground. Two and two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah as God commanded Noah. And after seven days, the waters of the flood came upon the earth. So just picture that again. God says do something really odd. You're going to go into this big boat that's sitting on dry land that people have never seen water before. And you're going to go into it with all these stinking animals, and you stink too, by the way, uh, you know, on this ship, and, and you're going to obediently go on, and it hasn't even rained yet. I'm just saying you might be the odd duck. You might be the odd person out. I think I would feel that way. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the, of the, the windows of the heavens were open. And rain fell upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day, Noah and his sons, Shem and Ham and Japheth and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every kind of beast according to its kind and all the livestock according to their kind and every creepy thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh in which there was the breath of life, and those that entered male and female of all flesh went in as God had commanded, and the Lord shut them in. If you watch the movie Noah, it is not on par with the passion of christ i couldn 't even stop i couldn't even I stopped watching it. it was so against the biblical narrative. And even at the end, it has Noah like closing the doors up As what I've read about it. It's like, you know, it, it's just like, it's bad stuff. But it says here that the Lord shut them in. So there's a couple things I want you to see. One is, number one is God's great grace. The problem we have, I believe as humans, is that we assume that we are better than we think we are. We all want to say that we're better than we think we are. When we look in the mirror, we want to think we look better than we actually see. I've seen that before. I've like pictured myself and I think I'm 10 years younger until I see that picture of me. And I'm like crud. Or when I'm at the hairdresser and all this gray hair falls off and it like used to be blondish and now it's like gray. And I blame her, it's her fault. But God's great grace comes, came not only to me and to many of you, but it came in a time of Noah where there was 120 years of Noah preaching that something was coming to, in a sense, repent from your sins, live according to God's plan, trust in him, have faith. And they refused him. 120 years of grace. 2 Peter 3, 9 says this, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The Bible says God is slow to anger and slow to wrath. There have been many times when I've tempted God. As a believer, I've pushed a boundary and he showed a lot of mercy. But to these people, let's just go back to there, he's shown much grace. And right now, I think we live in a time where God is showing much grace. One of my favorite quotes is about common grace from Dr. Kramedon. He says, common grace is the embalming fluid that keeps the world from stinking. Think about that one. Common grace is the embalming fluid that keeps the body from stinking. So right now, we live in an era, I believe, where there's a lot of common grace, where there are good people out there doing some good things, and God is working, and that's keeping things together. But if you pull that away, to me, it's sort of like you're going to unleash the horde. Things are going to get ugly. The other thing is, you'll see, is an end to grace. No one, his family, got on the ark, and God shut the door. I would be remiss to say that if you're here this morning and you're teeter tottering on, well, I don't know, and I've got more time, and Uh, I'm not that bad of a person. It contradicts everything about, in a sense, what God says about us. My heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? Matter of fact, the world will say this. As Peter said, 2 Peter 3, 4, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. And they are so absolutely right. From the beginning of creation, man has tried to do their own things on their own effort, on their own time, and they begin, and things begin to plummet. Isaiah 55.1, and I love how we, we sang this today, and this wasn't intentional from the human perspective, but if you're here, the ark is still open. The ark is the embodiment of Jesus Christ. God created or God established a safe place for his people to dwell in. It's interesting when you hear in chapter 6 at the end, we don't have time to go there, but it talks about the building of the ark, that they take the pitch and they cover it on the outside and they cover it on the inside. In a sense, it's like when you go in and you are secure in God, when God seals the door of the ark of your heart, that no matter what you have done or what you're going to do, it is protected within that ark. But woe to us if you're outside of that. And so Jesus, throughout the Gospels and throughout even the Old Testament, there is an invitation from the prophets like Isaiah 55. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Come all who are thirsty. There's two types of thirst this morning. And there's such things as not having a thirst or not knowing that you're thirsty. The first one would be that maybe you're here and maybe you consider yourself an atheist or agnostic, and that's fine, we're glad you're here. And you tried everything. Tried everything. And Jesus gives plainly in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The same thing applies for Christians. Maybe you're thirsty this morning. I actually don't worry about you if you're thirsty, as long as you're going to the source. I worry about you if you're thirsty and you're going to the wrong source. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Christian, have you gone to him this week? Have you gotten so hectic and so busy? I had to do this this week, and we're practicing this in emotional health thing. Like, I, I got to this point of just my head was spinning, and I'm thinking about how, what to do next, and I'm like, sort of like, Okay, Eric, shut up. And I sat at my desk, and I bowed my head, and I shut up, and I listened. And the peace, peace of God, which passed all Eric's understanding, came upon me. Jesus is given an invitation, even in the ark. Jesus is also referenced as a door numerous times, but in John 10 it says, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, when I went in the, when I was in the military and I was in England, we went through, and even on many of the maps in Northumbria, they have these sheep pens, the sheep gates. I think the Brits call them something different. But they're stone all around. And then there's a little doorway, and that's where the shepherd would stand. And he'd make sure the sheep came in and were safe, and he'd stand at the door. So Jesus didn't only stand at the door to welcome. He also stand at the door to deter from the enemy from coming in. Jesus is the door for the sheep. Back to verse 17, the flood continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth and the ark floated on the face of the waters and the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heavens were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep and all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds, livestock, beasts, and swarming creatures that swarm on the earth. And all mankind, Everything on the dry land in those nostrils was the breath of life in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things, and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. only Noah was left, and those who were with him in the ark. If you have a proper understanding of holiness, you understand in a sense that no one deserved to live. And that's where you see grace again. No one. Frankly, none of us are going to live. All of us are going to die. And the Bible's pretty clear if you ascribe to it that there will be a division, there will be, there will be a, a welcoming or a deterrent And so in this area, God saw everything people were doing, all that they wanted to do, and he blotted them out, except for one family. Here again, you have to see the enemy working. He's not showing present if you don't look for him. And that's the way it is. I was talking to someone earlier. That's the way it is in my life. If I don't look for him, I don't see him. But if you start looking for him, it's sort of like, where's Waldo? Or the elf on the shelf, right? If I walk in your house, there's an elf on the shelf, I'm not going to see it. But if you tell me there's an Oreo cookie sandwich involved in me finding that thing, I'll find that elf on the shelf because I know what to look for. But God once again preserved the seed and fulfilled the promise that through the seed of Adam and Eve, through them would come the Redeemer. Verse 24, and the waters prevail in the earth 150 days. So I got a question for you. Imagine being on, not yet. Imagine being on that boat. Imagine 120 years building the boat. Imagine the mockers. Anyone been here been mocked for your beliefs? And the military was really a fun thing. I didn't get it bad, but I got a little bit, right? It was just that you get mocked. Nowadays, you sort of get mocked. You know, it's like, you really believe that stuff? whatever. It's like, whatever. You know, and I'm like, so, you know, doing that and having it all the time. And then you take your family on this boat and the doors get shut. You don't even shut the door. (laughs) This sort of shaped like an ark. I never thought about that. I don't think they had LED lights inside those things, but they did have windows that showed towards the heavens. But imagine being there and hearing the pitter patter of rain. I'm a really good noisemaker. You ever been on a ever can you imagine what happens when you're on a big vessel that all of a sudden gets water? Imagine being near the elephant. I'm just getting out of his way. And all of a sudden you got rain and you're I didn't hear anything about a rudder. There's no sail. You're aimless at sea. Let me ask you this morning, do you feel abandoned in your faith? I got to believe Noah felt abandoned at some point. This is what Robert Candish spoke about. He was an expositor of Genesis. He's, he's portraying some thoughts that Moses, or Noah might have said. Far down in the unfathomable deeps below lies a dead and buried world. Noah shut up in his narrow prison seems to be abandoned to his fate he cannot help himself and in this universal visitation of sin this terrible reckoning with sinners why should he obtain mercy what is he that when all else when all else are taken should be left maybe He not be right, may he not be righteously suffered to perish after all? Is he not a sinner like the rest? Does he not feel himself to be the chief of sinners? This to me was what I I hear when I hear of veterans that come back whose foxhole buddies, so to speak, or comrades died, and they come back with this guilt complex. I just. You just got to believe that Noah suffered some of this. But God gave a a couple things, actually specific three things that he he did to show show Noah that he was not alone. Number one, God removed the water. Verse one says, but God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark, and God made a wind blow over the earth, and the water subsided The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rains from the heavens were restrained and the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the water had abated. And in the seventh month, on the seventh day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters continued to abate until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. So God took back the waters. God also remembered Noah by giving him a sign. Verse 6. At the end of the 40 days, Noah opened the windows of the ark that he had made and sent forth a raven, and it went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot, and she returned to him to the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him he waited another seven days and again he sent forth a dove out of the ark and the dove came back to him in the evening and behold in her mouth was a fleshly, a freshly plucked olive leaf so Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth Then he waited another seven days and sent forth a dove and she did not return to him anymore in the second in the six hundred and In the 601st year, in the first month, in the first day of the month, the waters were dried from the earth and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked and behold, the face of the ground was dry. Thirdly, God remembered Noah by his words. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. Then God said to Noah, have you had that moment before when God says something to you? Have you ever just sensed it? Come on, church. Have you sensed it before? He's like, you know, God has spoken to you, and it might contradict everything you have, and he might have been quiet for years, and then all of a sudden he says something that's like, yes, yes. And so God said to Noah, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you, and that's got to be an astounding thing after being cooped up. Imagine being in that thing. No, thanks. I'm, I'll lick my feet on the ground. 17, bring out with you every living thing that is with you, all the flesh, all the flesh birds and the animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply. So Noah went out and his sons and wife wife and his sons wives with him, every beast and every creeping thing and every bird and everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. So they all went out. Picture being in the ark one last time. Maybe you're lonely, maybe you feel abandoned, maybe you haven't heard God from a while. I think Corey Tenenboom said this best. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. In the ark, the windows were only up. There was no looking at the circumstances on the side. Have you been trapped in circumstances this week? I have. Just things happen. Things don't go according to your schedule. Things just sort of deviate away. So God spoke. And the interesting thing is that also in all this that Noah remembered God. And you see this in verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever strike down every living creature as I have done. The intentionality here is for us to move from fear to favor, to not fear our circumstances. Think of the hundreds of years that Noah spent. And frankly, most of us aren't going to live over a hundred. Many of us, who knows? There'll be some. But Noah spent hundreds of years. Hundreds of years and then God gave provision. Folks, our life is but a, gl- a short strand. If you're young, you might not get it right now. You might think I'm crazy. Your life might seem eternal right now. The days are long. Right in school, huh? And am I right? Yeah, it's like forever. But just like that, you'll almost be 21. And just like that, I'm not going to get anyone else on that. (laughs) I saw people going, don't you say how old I am. But just like that. Genesis is a book about beginning, betrayal, and then blessings. What do we learn from today? In my mind, I learned that God has a provision and a plan that might not make sense to us. All we got to do is in faith, follow him. Noah is listed in Hebrews. We have to follow him. We might not understand it. We might not have ever seen it before, but if he's calling you, go. If you feel abandoned, share that with God. There is nothing wrong with that. I think church has done a bad job generally of going, we have to put our stiff, stiff upper lip, right? How are you doing today? Everything is fine. How about you? Y'all been there, right? I've met people who are like that all the time and those are the people that scare me to death. They've got it all together, I don't buy it. Mm Mm-mm. If it, you know, I know something stinks up in there. It's just a matter of time before the old egg gets dropped. Right? We're all messed up. And so, you know, share that with him. Be open about it. Say, I feel abandoned. I feel distrusted. I'm even scared right now. Share that with God. But rest in the ark. Jesus Christ is the better Noah. Jesus Christ had the perfect ark for us to go into and be sealed by the Spirit so that we can experience new life, new blessing, new provision, new hope. Don't miss this last part. So that we, we, you, and me, can be the kingdom of God here and now. Don't get caught up in end time stuff when your tomorrow time stuff isn't accomplished yet. Don't get caught up in well in eternity. No, now church. Now we're supposed to be radical. Now we're supposed to get in and do what God says and trust Him. Now we're supposed to be a blessing to those and who are our neighbors. Now we're supposed to help people up who are down. Yes, it's now. So as the church, it's my dream, and and I think it's become it's going to come a reality. Just the church will be powerful because Jesus is powerful. Because you have a broken pastor and I have a broken flock. Come on. You can say it about me if you don't feel comfortable saying it about you. You have a broken pastor. I just felt like Hulk Hogan. Come on. I can't do that. God has a plan for us, we are safe in the ark. We are called to to grow and to bless and to be a blessing. Let us do that together. Would you please stand as we get ready for communion? Can you feel that? Y'all need to wake up. Y'all, I am not going to say it. Some of y'all are newer. You might think I'm being hard. I'm not. I do love this church i love where we're heading i love that we've got signups weeks ahead that's a guinness burko of oasis records right there you know it's true i am thankful for that let's go from this beginning to betrayal to being a blessing we're already blessed let's be a blessing father as we come to communion Lord, we know you have a plan. Lord, let us not fear coronavirus. Let us not fear the stock market. Let us not fear our circumstances. Let us not fear um, our job. Let us not fear, for me, the audit that's coming tomorrow, and it is. But Lord, let us fear you, a holy and just God, who has shown us great mercy, and we thank you for that. Jesus, we come to this table to remember that you are our ark, that we are sealed by the Spirit, and we have promise in you. No matter what storms assail us, Lord, we are safe in your vessel. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.